The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus and his disciples left from there and began a journey through Galilee, but did not wish anyone to know about it. He was teaching his disciples and telling them, The Son of Man is to be handed over to men, and they will kill him. And three days after his death, the Son of Man will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to question him. They came to Capernaum, and once inside the house, he began to ask them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they remained silent. They had been discussing among themselves on the way who was the greatest. Then he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone wishes to be first, he shall be the last of all and the servant of all. Taking a child, he placed it in their midst, and putting his arms around it, he said to them, Whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. The Gospel today began by telling us that Jesus and his disciples departed from there. It's like, where is this there? Well, this Gospel is a continuation of the Gospel last Sunday. And if you recall, Jesus and his disciples were in the district of the Decapolis. Decapolis, you know, from the word deca, which means ten, Polis is the Greek word for cities. So Jesus and his disciples were in this district of the Decapolis, comprised of ten cities. And if you recall the gospel last Sunday, it was about the cure of the man who was deaf and was also suffering from speech impediment. So Jesus just opened his ears and loosened his tongue. That the cure was not just intended for the man that was cured. It was also intended for the whole district of the Decapolis, which during the time of Jesus was largely a pagan territory. Hopefully, the cure of the man from his deafness and also from his, from his speech impediment will also open the ears of the people who were not believing in God, but also would hopefully open the ears of the disciples to His Word, that finally they will get it. Well, they just departed from that place. And if we followed 
the, the story from the gospel today, did the disciples get it? They didn't. What happened? They just left the place, and Jesus was telling them, guys, I want to reveal something to you. And this revelation might shock you. I will be handed over to men, and I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be put to death and eventually will rise from the dead, will rise from the grave. And the disciples really could not fathom what Jesus was talking about. It's like, this is not the Messiah that we signed up for. Our understanding of the Messiah is that you as the Messiah will going to lead us to liberation, to be liberated from the hands of the Romans. And if you're telling us, you know, they were not, they were not verbalizing this with Jesus, but interiorly, this is what they were thinking about. If you will going to die, who will going to make this possible for us? We were counting on you to free us from the hands of the Roman occupation. And because they didn't want to confront Jesus about this, they were arguing also along the way, well, guys, if this happens, we better have a plan B. Who's going to take over his role? Who is the greatest among us? Who is going to be able to lead us to liberation? Who is the one suited among us just in case he's no longer with us? It's amazing. The disciples, the apostles did not get it. I was mentioning this last weekend in the morning masses that you know, whenever the disciples and the apostles are portrayed in the scriptures that, that, that they don't get it, it gives me a lot of hope. <laughs> it gives me a lot of hope. It's like, well, if these guys who were living with Jesus already, who were taught directly by him, did not get it, you know, I feel terrible at times, but I don't get it. <laughs> but this gives me a lot of hope, the patience of God for each and every one of us. But what is so striking about this is that the disciples, having that experience of intimacy with Christ for a couple of years already at this point, could have easily stopped and said to Jesus, okay, this is beyond our brains. Can you explain to us what this really means? But they just pretended that they got it, that they got the point. This is really something for us to follow. You know, whenever there is something that we don't get, especially as important as this, we don't just have to brush it off and pretend that we, that we get it. Especially if it's something about the faith that is a matter of salvation for each and every one of us. 
Who gets the faith here, the Catholic faith 100%? Who? Because I want to make an appointment with you. I really want to. But the question is, what is our attitude? What is our disposition whenever we find ourselves in a conundrum, when we find ourselves in confusion? What do we need to do? We just move on and it's like, okay, let other people take care of it. Or do we stay in our own ignorance, just like the disciples here, and take care of it ourselves by supplanting it with other things that we think is the correct interpretation for our confusion? Faith, inasmuch as is free, is not cheap. Why? Because it entails, it entails work, it entails analysis, it entails discernment. You know, faith is not just like something that is handed to us in a book and say, okay, all of the questions to your, all of the answers to your questions are here. Faith is all about discernment, but most especially, faith is all about prayer. Communion with God. This is what was lacking in the response of the disciples in their confusion with what Jesus was talking about. They were already set in their ways. The Messiah is this, someone who's going to lead us from, to liberation from the hands of the Romans. There is no other definition of the Messiah I will not gonna budge in my definition. So Jesus, that's your definition. Okay, we will gonna take care of this by asking ourselves who's gonna take your place. And Jesus, knowing too well what they were talking, finally confronts them confronts them in charity and in love. Jesus asked them, what, what were you arguing about on the way? What were you arguing about on the way? And you know, it's interesting, the reactions of the disciples. Mark said that they remained silent. <laughs> They remained silent because they knew that they were doing something behind the backs of Jesus. They knew that their designs are not aligned to the designs of Jesus. They were embarrassed as the word used by Mark of what they were doing. They were ambitious. But also, there is also this sense of jealousy. You know, remember the second reading today from the letter of St. James? Beloved, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is order in every foul practice. They were jealous also 
of one another. They saw each other as a threat. If this guy will not going to be around, what if this guy, you know, what if this guy takes over? I'm not really in good, in good relationship with this guy. I'm going to be sidelined. What if this guy takes over the, the, the place of Jesus? We had arguments not too long ago. I will not going to get what I want. You see, you know what's problem with je- you know what's problematic with jealousy and selfish ambitions is that it always looks towards the future. And it bereps or does it leaves the person not living in the moment in the present. You know what's the other word for gift? Present. Because God wants us to realize that He is not something to be pursued in the future, but rather something to be relished, to be delighted, someone to enter into, into a deeper relationship. And then he said, If anyone wishes to be first, he shall be the last of all and the servant of all. You know, what does this mean? You know, Jesus always speaks about, uh, always speaks in paradox. In order to be first, you have to be last. If you want to live, you have to die first. If you want to be full, you have to empty yourself first. It's like, you know, paradox, full of paradoxes. But you know, these are not just empty words. He himself lived it. Jesus, being God, is the first. Being God is the first. Yet, in assuming our humanity, he became last. As the servant of all, for what? To, to, to show us that he is super nice? To show us that, you know, he's bored in heaven? So I can just hang out with these little guys on earth? No. So that we, because of sin, were last, become first again as heirs of the kingdom. You see what this God, Jesus, did? Because of our sins, we were already last. But, he beca- but the first who is He became last so that you and I can become first again in the kingdom of God. That's what a true servant is. Who will not going to fall in love with this guy? Who will not going to offer your entire life to someone like this? But he says, well, I am not just showing it to you because I can do it as God, but rather because you said that you are my disciples, you are also going to follow my steps. How are we following this example of Jesus becoming last? Becoming last. 
You know, it is just the most uncomfortable thing. You know, society always implores us to always go for the first. Always go for the first. Humility, humility is being frowned upon, you know, in, uh, in business, in, in sports, in whatever it is, because a lot of people think that if you're humble, you can just be, you're just allowing people to trample upon you. But the ways of the kingdom are very, very different. What does it mean to embrace the last position in the, in the kingdom of God? To accept our own reality, our strength and weaknesses. To accept everything of who we are. And if we realize who we are in front of God, we would always come to a realization that we cannot make it without God. That is why Jesus in the end, in the end showed us He brought a child in their midst. Because a child during the time of Jesus is the most dependent person in the world. The most dependent. But also... The child, you know, they don't hold grudges. They forgive easily. They forget easily. You know, I, I, I'm, up, I'm always amazed um, with, with children. Uh, they bicker, but after five minutes, they're best friends again. <laughs> but also, you can see their utter dependence to their parents. And this is the kind of attitude that God is trying to tell us because if you want to be a servant, you need to be humble. You need to realize that you can't do it all. It entails a lot of self-surrender. And if one is prideful and the ego is as high as the, as the Eiffel Tower, one can never be a servant. But what does true service even mean? You know, service has three dimensions. We always think of service as serving the other. But also, service actually emanates or begins from within. I cannot genuinely serve other people according to the heart of Jesus if I don't know how to serve myself first. I was sharing about this um, last night in my vigil mass homily. I said, early on in my ministry, of course, you know, you have that zeal, you have all those, like, uh, the, the halo of the Holy Spirit still fresh in you. It's like, oh, you know, there's so much thing to do. There's no time to take a day off for vacation and, and all of those things. And I, th and I thought, I'm giving my, my parish in my early on in the ministry, um, great favor by being always super available to them. It didn't take long for me to experience burnout. <laughs> it, didn't, it, it didn't take long for me not to have the energy to pray, not to be fully present to people who actually need me, not to actually find time to do 
continuing education so that my mind is updated with the things that are happening in the church and in the theology. So in the end, it's the people who suffer. But I thought, I want to be available because I don't want people to think that I am slacking. But you see, I'm serving at the beginning, but my, my real purpose so that people will not going to say anything negative to me. So I'm still putting myself first, taking care of my own insecurity. So even though I'm serving, I'm actually first serving myself, which is not the real spirit of true service. But when I started to, to take day off, to take, you know, the allotted vacations and, and, and all of that, while I'm taking care of myself, I am also able to take care of people because I'm living a healthy life, a balanced life. You know, sometimes we can be stuck in a situation where, like, we only take care of people and we don't take care of ourselves, thinking, well, I don't want my family or my spouse to think bad of me that I'm not giving my 100% all. But in the process, we're destroying ourselves and not being able to be present in the end for them. That's one, taking care of oneself. The other one, what's true service to, other, to the person? You know, there is an inherent goodness in each and every one of us. We want to be in service of people. But what is... Do we, have, do we set conditions in our service? Because sometimes even in serving, we serve following our own conditions, imposing on other people. But true service is allowing to be taught by the people that we serve. <laughs> allowing those who, who are the recipients of our love to teach us ultimately what loving and charity is, not just setting on them conditions. Or sometimes it's like, well, I'm not going to help if it's not according to my standards or to my conditions. You see, we're still taking care of our own needs by doing that. So, my dear friends, reflecting on this, reflecting on this, what is the quality of our service? And I'm not just talking about serving other people, but the true service that Jesus refers to in the gospel today. And again, do we come to Him? We, do we clarify it to Him when we don't understand things that He continues to reveal to us in the ways of faith?